This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. That will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Odyssey Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former Major Leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. We're past the halfway point in August, and races are starting to heat up. we got three car races in the National League East, and all of a sudden things may look a little bit brighter for the Red Sox in the, in the American League East. We're going to get into it all, but first, let me welcome in my original partner, John <laughs> Heyman. John, how you doing, man? It's been a little I'm, bit of time since we've been able to I'm, do one of these again. I'm good. I guess they gave me the break uh, to do the deadline. <laughs> I appreciate that, Dylan. Thank you very much. It's great to be back with you, Tony, and uh, let's talk some baseball. Let's do it. Well, I, I should start with uh, out west uh, with the Padres, who are all of a sudden not playing that well and uh, are victim to – the eighth no-hitter of the season, tying a, a major league record. Tyler Gilbert, in his first outing in the big leagues, throws a no-no against the Padres. And this is it's been phenomenal this year, John, to see the amount of no-hitters thrown. Uh, we got off to a really fast pace. It slowed down, but nevertheless, uh, here it is tied in August. Uh, incredible. And give Gilbert credit, uh, I mean – He's 27 years old. This is his debut. Uh, amazing. Uh, first guy to throw a no-hitter in his debut since Bobo Holloman. I mean, uh, that's before your time, Tony. And believe it or not, that's certainly even, is. Before, even before <laughs> my time. So uh, by eight years. Uh, eight years before I was born, Bobo Holloman threw, threw a no-hitter in his debut. So great story. It's good to see. Uh, the Diamondbacks have a nice day. It's been a rough year for them, obviously, but uh, was fantastic. And and by the way, before we continue on, I've got a little quiz for you, uh, Tony. Uh, what do these four names mean to you? Uh, Verlander, Sanchez, Millwood, and Beckett. <laughs> I, I, they all. I was all on the opposing side of their no hitters. <laughs> You're good. Yours. You have a good memory. You're very smart. We, uh, Dylan and I did. Well, Dylan actually did the research. I didn't do anything, but uh, you have a good memory. Yes, four. Di- your four different teams: Milwaukee, San Diego, Dodgers, and Phillies. You were yeah. on the wrong end of uh, no hitters. So uh, you're quite familiar with no hitters. Very, very too familiar with no hitters, <laughs> actually, John. I'm sorry, and Tony. I can, I can, I can say at least on one of those, I had no participation in, and the Verlander one, 
we were uh i was a rookie it was uh it was yeah. uh, in the in the american league so we we're playing with a dh so there was no need for a pinch hitter at that point and uh Quite frankly, the way he was throwing it, uh, I, I was glad I didn't get a shot that day. But yeah, you, know, you uh, never know. That manager made a mistake. I think he would have gone three for four that day against Berlin. Maybe Tony. big mistake. Maybe. Who was that manager? Was that Maka? No, who, who was that? Uh, it was it was Ned Yost. It was Ned, Ned Yost. Yost, right? Yeah, that was uh, that was that's very possible. I could have got some knocks, but I, I wasn't a part of it. Now the other three, Sanchez, uh, the the combined no hitter with Millwood and company with the Mariners. And uh, there was the other one. Beckett. Beckett was the other one. Yeah, yes. that one. Yeah, I participated in all of those, so uh, I can't. Well, I can't slide away from those. But all right, never well, it's, still, it's still an accomplishment to be in those games, anyway. For yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. Uh, but certainly, Tyler Gilbert's is has got to be the coolest of the no hitters so far because, as you mentioned, first start, his dad's in the crowd, his family's in tears as he gets it done, and I and I heard him say uh on a on a on a show the other day that he didn't actually have his best stuff he credited his teammates to his to 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 show you the type of character he credited his teammates for making plays because to be quite honest Padres hit some balls hard that game it just they had they had made tremendous yeah, plays or they were hit right at luck. somebody yeah they're running into some bad luck as you've seen uh, lately they've with injuries and other things so good for the young man to to say that one thing i noticed about the no hitters and um, Al Leiter pointed out on MLB Network is that um, it's not the guys throwing 97 and above. For, That's right. Throwing these no-hitters. I mean, Miley threw a no-hitter. I mean, he barely hits 90. Uh, the only one who had a better-than-average fastball um, was Rodon, who uh, threw a no-hitter of the eight. Um, I guess Kimbrell finished off the combined no-hitter. Obviously, he is a way better-than-average fastball, but that game was started by Zach Davies. And, of course, you had Means, who – has uh, maybe a tick above average fastball, about an average fastball. Uh, but the other ones were Miley and uh, his ilk uh, throwing the no-hitters. So it's a little bit unusual to see. Uh, it wasn't Verlander and Beckett throwing the no-hitters this year. Yeah, no, I mean, guys who who ha- have learned how to pitch uh, get get a lot of outs. And, and to their credit, they've been able to do it. Now, on the other side of that no-hitter were the Padres, who uh, had really struggled. But got a shot in the arm yesterday uh, from Fernando Tatis Jr. He returned as a right fielder, uh, goes three for four, a double, two home runs, uh, looked healthy. And I tell you what, the Padres haven't played well, uh, especially against the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. But it's really set up for him to come in and and put a stamp uh, on this MVP race. Should he come back? And this team start to win ball games, and he continues to play like he played yesterday. It sets up well storyline wise for him to put the stamp on this MVP. Yeah, and you know what? I, yesterday I was notified I actually have the NL MVP vote uh, this year. Oh. I haven't, had one, haven't had one in a while. I I know I voted for uh, Ryan Braun, and he won. And I can't remember the others. I've, I've only, even though I've been doing this for. Uh, 30 plus years. I think I've only had the MVP vote maybe five times. I mean, just the luck of the draw. I'm not blaming anyone and uh, it's fine. Whatever vote I get, I'm, I'm happy with it. I don't complain, but it's certainly an honor to have the uh, MVP vote. And I'm certainly, uh, it's certainly early. So, you know, we don't know who the MVP is going to be, but I'll, I'll just say <laughs> this. Uh, Tatis has been fantastic this year. Uh, that much I'll say. 
spoken like a man that has a vote. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll slide past it. But can I I, I got to ask you about the the change of position? I, I thought all along, um, even even as he started to experiment with center field, that if they truly wanted to to maximize him, it would have to be in right field. I'm not I'm not I, I don't know that I buy the the injury. Uh, the prevention yeah. of injury by moving into the outfield, especially if he was playing center field. I, I just don't see that being the case. But certainly for the season, the rest of this season, if you're trying to maximize this roster that you have, uh, I think right field suits him best at this point. Well, you know better about the roster. Obviously, Cronenworth and uh, Kim can play shortstop, so they have guys right. who can man it. And, um, yeah, I mean uh, – to me, I love him as a shortstop. Uh, you know, yeah. to me, that's a premium position. I'd love to see him go back there. If it is about the injury, I'm all for it. I mean, you got to protect this guy. Got to keep him on the field, not only for the Padres but for the game of baseball. Uh, he is the most exciting player in the game. I mean, Baez pretty exciting, but uh, not the star that this guy is. So uh, let's keep him healthy. If that's the reason, I'm all in favor of it. I, I, I'll say this. I, I agree with you 100%. I personally would like to see him remain at shortstop. But you get the sense you you acquire Adam Frazier. So that already gives you uh, more infielders than you have positions for at that point. And, and I think the first game they had Adam Frazier in left field. And uh, he misplayed a ball. And he hasn't been out there since. So clearly I think they feel he's more comfortable at second. So you got to have his bat in the lineup. He's one of the best hitters in the league. So he's got to play second, and, and that puts you in a conundrum with, with Cronenworth. And so I think the injury in some ways presented an opportunity for them to kind of ease what you had at the at the uh, infield position because Fernando certainly has to play. That's a that's a no-brainer, right? Cronenworth, you, the way he's played this year, it's an all-star. You, you want his bat in the lineup, and I think the best way – at this point for the 2021 season is, is to have him in right. But I, I agree. Eventually you'd like to see him back at that premium position. It just seems, it just seems out of place to have him stand there longer than this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm with you. I think it fits the roster better. I mean, obviously he's made a number of errors this year, uh, led yeah. the league. I think he still does, but I mean, long-term he, he, for the sake of baseball, we'd love to see him at shortstop if he can handle it. So, you know, I, I don't yeah. know. Uh, it's harder for me to say you, you played the game, uh, you played the center and right. You've played all the outfield positions. Um, I would think shortstop is more of a grind, but uh, you, you certainly got to test your arm as a right, right fielder. So I'm not sure uh, that it's that much better, but if it's, you know, if it keeps him on the field, I'm, I'm in favor of it. I, I'm not sure that, it, it makes that much of a difference there, but uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with that because when you think about it from an outfield, from an outfielder's perspective, um, when you, when you do have to dive in the outfield, you're re- usually running full speed a lot of times. Whereas the infield, I don't know that you ever get the top end speed when you dive. So the yeah. impact is, is different in the outfield than it is in the infield. Now you won't dive as much. I, I would think in the outfield, but when you do, your body takes it, it takes a toll on your body, so it'll be interested to see uh, how that how that works you, out. You know, and I th- what, you know what I would say? Just one thing I'd like to interject is I covered a guy as a beat writer for the Angels who never dived, and that was Devon White. I'd mm. like to tell him, "Don't True. dive." 
You know, I don't know if you can do that. I mean, Devon White is one of the best fielding yeah, outfielders yeah. I've ever seen. <laughs> and he just had a knack. He caught it on his shoestring, you know, every time. I mean, I don't think he gave up too many extra hits by not diving, but he never did it, and he stayed healthy. And, you know, it's not such a bad thing to stay healthy. You remember Bobby Abreu certainly played in your era. And he never went near the wall, right? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be hard to tell Tatis all this, but you know, if the idea is to keep him healthy, don't go near the wall, don't dive, and just do your best without those two things. A at twenty, twenty one, twenty two years of age, I'm not sure he can turn tell actually turn that off. He seems to only play at one gear. Maybe he can now. And then secondly, Devon White is, I mean, that's like the most exceptional defensive outfielder. Yep that yeah. I ever got one of that I've ever got a chance to see. So I don't know if, if it's a fair comparison, but certainly no, the idea no, is good no, outfielders. Yeah. No, I didn't say <laughs> it's fair. Not fair. <laughs> I'm with you. Good outfielders. Yeah, yeah. Certainly good outfielders don't have to dive. So yeah. I mean, so yeah. hopefully Fernando's is that good and he doesn't have to worry about it. Now in terms of their playoff chances, I know, as I said, they haven't played well. And I think one of the things you have to do is, is kind of look at it from a, a higher view and kind of see everything. I have a hard time seeing them not making the playoffs. Now, the division may be out of reach at this point, but uh, certainly the the playoffs, I think, is is the Padres to lose at this point. You would think so. I mean, I kind of counted them in as a certainty at some point, but you know, Cincinnati and now St. Louis are not all that far behind, and they have a major advantage being in that central rather than the West. You know, they're not going to have as many games against San Francisco and the L.A., who yeah, to me true. are clearly the two best teams. I mean, let's stop pretending that San Francisco is some kind of fluke. They're a great team, and they've added Bryant. The Dodgers were a ridiculously talented team, and they added the two most impactful players at the deadline, and San Diego's got to deal with them, and at this point, you know, believe it or not, Arizona is way better than the Cubs. You know, I mean, the Cubs, I'm not sure the Cubs are going to win another game. You know, they gave away yeah, their team yeah. just as the Nats did. And uh, being in that central is a big advantage, fair or not. You know, that's one reason Dan O'Dad always said, let's do the balanced schedule. Let's make it fair. And, you know, a GM would think that way. You know, to me, it's exciting to play teams in your own division. But, you know, the Dodgers and the Giants are just – you know, they're better than anyone in this Central. I know Milwaukee's record is right up there uh, with the Dodgers. But, you know, let's face it, the Dodgers and the Giants are the best. And right now, the Cubs and the Pirates are the worst. So uh, San Diego has, has, you know, they have an edge, but it's not going to be easy. Yeah, no, you, you're 100% right. You That Central piece of it. Is gonna is gonna be a is going to be something to watch because as you mentioned, Reds will get a chance to play the Pirates and Cubs a lot down the stretch. That seems to be the team that's closest to the Padres. And as we speak, uh, it looks like Ken Rosenthal is reporting that the Padres are nearing a deal with Jake Arrieta. Don't not complete it, but that is what the the rumor is, and that just goes to show you how much I think the Padres are in need of starting pitching. Uh, Jake Arrieta hasn't yeah. had the year that we normally have seen from Jake Arrieta in the past. Uh, but certainly the Padres are at a point now where they just need, they need somebody who can go out there and pitch. Absolutely. Uh, they do. I mean, uh, you know, uh, the, the Giants didn't have room for Aaron Sanchez and he's actually been better. I'm not sure he's ramped up at this point, but 
and he's got an injury questions. But, um, you know, I'm a little surprised they, they're jumping on Ariette, although we'd heard this for a few days. Um, he obviously was not good in Chicago, and that just shows you where San Diego is right now with Paddock out, with uh, Darvish out, at least for the moment. Um, you know, they're very thin in the pitching ranks, and that's another reason to worry about them. Yeah, no, it was amazing. Beginning of the year, they had a, a, a glutton of pitching. Now they are down to really two starters, two healthy starters in this rotation. Uh, let's slide to the American League East because all of a sudden this race, I think, has gotten more interesting. Tampa goes out, they make the deal for Nelson Cruz, which I think is a home run move, uh, and it was, and it just seemed to kind of come out of nowhere. However. Chris Sale comes back for the Red Sox. He looks dominant yesterday. Uh, this The Yankees all of a sudden seem to be playing better baseball, although there may be some issues at the back end. This race is, heat, is starting to heat up, John. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you can't count out the Yankees at this point. I'd already uh, I'd already counted out the Yankees. In fact, I doomed them. We, we play a game on MLB uh, Network, uh, MLB Now Show with Brian Kenny, in which you Say whether you're concerned, panic, or doomed. And I, I'm going to blame peer pressure on this to do a doom. <laughs> I doomed the Yankees a month ago or more. And I, you know, I have to undo. Is it possible to undo somebody now? I don't know. They're in the that's, race. That's going to be I tough. Mean, yeah, it's really, um, you know, revival is tough. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's not easy. But uh, right now it's a three-team race, I think. I mean, uh, the Rays have had some real blips, and the Red Sox were struggling. They got sale back, which is huge. I think that gives them an opportunity to perhaps get in there. And uh, the Yankees are still alive. And I will say that I, I did just hear Arietta will go to the Padres, so uh, that report is uh, correct. So just wanted to add that. But, I, I mean, it's great that the races are heating up. St. Louis back in it. The Yankees back in it after being doomed. And, uh you know, it looked like we had our 10 teams a, a month ago, and it's good to see some uh, competition. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think Chris Sale coming back, I think that's going to, that's just the kind of shot, shot in the arm they need, especially if he's going to look like he looked uh, yesterday in his return. Now, the Yankees, I mentioned the back end part. Uh, uh, Britain was quoted as saying, their closer was quoted as saying that, you know, he basically told uh, Aaron Boone that. He didn't deserve to be the ninth inning guy. Other guys deserve it. Now, in my mind, even if you think he's wrong at this point, he's already conceded it in his head. I don't know if you can running back out there as a closer, at least right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think you can't. I mean, you would know better than me. You've been in major league clubhouses as a player. I mean, I've been in clubhouses, but uh, that's a rarity. Uh, guys yeah, are not yeah. usually that honest and, uh, you know, in a way I give him credit for his honesty. Um, no he's doubt not ready to do it right now. And, uh, it's good. They have other options. I mean, he couldn't do that if he was back on Baltimore, but being with Louisa gun green, uh, you know, might as well be honest and say, you're not ready to close right now. I think that's, I actually look at that as a positive. I uh, listen, I, I, I totally agree. I think ultimately, uh, what what he recognizes is that there are other guys who could do the job better at this point. And when you're already trying an uphill climb, you don't have games to kind of, you know, figure things out on the fly. So maybe you put him in in some different situations, let him work from there. But uh, I, I, they're going to have to have – somebody's got to step into the fold one way or the other because the one thing you can't have is uh, 
giving up games late, especially when you're already trying to make the uphill climb. Let's slide over to the National, or excuse me, the American League Central, uh, the White Sox. They have seemingly run away with this division. I mean, you and I talked about it on my show last week. Um, all the Tony Larusa chatter was uh, it was quite loud when he got the job. Yet this team is seemingly running away with the Central. They they are running away with the Central, and uh, they made some moves at the deadline that I think make them very very tough to to, to take out early in this uh, as they get into the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there was definitely was chatter, and I, I was part of that. I, I questioned that move. I mean, maybe I wasn't as loud as some. I just said it was a gamble uh, to bring him in now after 10 years away. Uh, but he's done a good job. He's certainly one of the AL Manager of the Year candidates. Uh, there's several good ones, Cash and Melvin and uh, Dusty. Um, and so, I mean, there are a lot of good ones. To me, uh, A.J. Hinch deserves it, though, because I never saw Detroit going anywhere near this. So, uh, but, you know, the White Sox, to me, are probably the favorite in the uh, AL um, uh, in the AL as a pennant yeah, winner. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, I, top to bottom, I love their pitching. Uh, number five starter, Rodon, hopefully he's healthy. Uh, reports are he's going to be okay. Number three starter was Lance Lynn. Uh, he also was an all-star, so that's a pretty good sign. And right now you have the back end of number eight and nine of Kimbrell and Hendricks. And when you have two great closers as you're eight and nine, you're in good shape. Now they haven't been that perfect the last week or so, but I mean, we know what they can do. And, you know, the last time anybody had an eighth inning guy like Craig Kimbrell was the Yankees and uh, Mariano Rivera in 1996, when he was the setup man for John Wetland. And we know how they ended up doing winning that world series. So uh, I, I think they're their favorite in the American league. I do think the best teams are in the national league, but uh I give the White Sox a slight edge in the American League, but you know it's a wide open league. But I I like Hernandez. He's hit a lot of home runs at second for second base. Uh, you know they're going for it. You know they got an opportunity, and I, and I like what the White Sox did. Now the White Sox, uh, I I like that team really top top to bottom. I like to I like everything about them. I think they have depth really at all the positions. Um, this, this team is certainly going to be the favorite out of the American league when it's, when it's all said, done. at least in my opinion. Now I, I want to kind of go back cause you and I haven't gotten a chance to sp- speak really, uh, on this show since the deadline. Uh, but this was one of the most exciting deadlines, uh, we've had in, in recent history. And, um, I was very pleased to see that because so often baseball, Dead, baseball's deadlines end up just being a dead. There's a lot of talk, a lot of things that could go down, but don't go down. And it's not like the other sports where it's like a, just a slew of moves. However, this year, it was very much like that, John. Yeah, it was uh, fantastic. Looking back on it, I'm right in the middle of it. So uh, it's hard for me to know. I, I didn't really even know how great it was until we got to the very end and people started talking about it uh, being great. There was one deadline, I don't know, about five, six years ago in which uh, – Bud Norris was traded, and that was the big deal, and maybe almost right. the only deal on deadline right. day. That was a disaster. I mean, I don't know what the hell. I mean, it was good for me <laughs> because I I wasn't too worried. You know, I knew not much was happening. I think PV might have been traded the day before. That was a little bit bigger trade, if that was the right year I'm thinking of. But uh, I mean, this year, total opposite. Fantastic. I mean, 
Uh, the Dodger deal, incredible. I know the Padres were quite unhappy that it went that way. They were wondering yeah. why they didn't get them because I know that A.J. Preller and company wanted to get Trey Turner back as well as Scherzer. And it did appear that Scherzer was going to okay the Padres, certainly uh, okay the Dodgers. And for whatever reason, like the idea of going to Southern California, that's his prerogative. He's 10-5. It's up to him where he's going. And that's just the way it goes. So Padres had that opportunity. It's, you know, hard to believe that uh, A.J. Preller didn't get his man or get his men in this case. Uh, you know, he, one of his few regrets, uh, you know, obviously they made a lot of moves in San Diego was trading Turner away. And I think that uh, he would have found rooting for him. And right now we've got, uh, obviously, their best player, Tatis, is in the outfield. Uh, their infield is already good. And pretty crowded as it is, but he would have been thrilled to get Turner. And um, my understanding is that they were willing to trade Camposano, their catcher. And obviously Washington was looking for catching. They decided they liked Kbert uh, Ruiz better for whatever reason. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Some people prefer yeah. Camposano, but I do know many who do prefer Kbert Ruiz. You know, you, you can construct conspiracy theories if all you want. I mean, uh, Mike Rizzo was hired by Stan Caston, who's now with the Dodgers. Uh, I don't believe that. I think Mike Rizzo is, uh, has integrity and is going to make the best trade for his organization uh, no matter what. Uh, not going to help out an old friend. And uh, he just liked Ruiz better uh, than Camposano for whatever reason. Um, you know, uh, the Padres were surprised. Uh, particularly that they didn't get uh, Washington to say to come back and say um, we're going to do this deal. What's your last and best offer? Uh, and LA just did that deal. I think perhaps they knew at that point San Diego was, just wasn't giving up Gore or Abrams, and uh, they liked Caber Ruiz better than Camposano. And obviously, you're concerned about the top of the trade more than the depth. So uh, that's why they did didn't come back to them. I don't know, but. Uh, that made the that made the deadline. That trade was unbelievably great to see two impactful players traded like that. But obviously, Kimbrel going cross town and uh, so many teams not giving up when they when you would think they were maybe not out of it, but close to out of it. The Braves going for it, the Phillies going for it, Toronto going for it, the Yankees going for it with their big moves, and Rizzo obviously a big star with the Cubs going to the Yankees, and you get Bryant going to the Giants, you had Baez going to the Mets. So, um, you know, let's let's credit, in a way, the Cubs and the Nats. Uh, when they conduct a sale, they really conduct a sale. And that really made the deadline, was that those two teams just trading away all of their best, basically all of their best pieces. And, uh, yeah, probably the best deadline we've seen, at least in my memory. Yeah, thank you to the, for, to the Cubs and the Nationals for not playing well uh, right before <laughs> that really sealed the fate for their team on the Padres deal. Uh, Kevin AC of the San Diego and Drew Brune wrote a story about it. There seemed to be some type, at least from what I read and, and what I've heard, it seemed to be some gamesmanship somewhere in there uh, because there is no doubt. I, I, I was in the nationals organization when Trey Turner arrived his very first day and he knew that I had San Diego connections. So we started talking. And one of the things I remember him telling me was, at that point, even then, A.J. Preller was trying to get Trey Turner back and realized, you know, he thought he had made a mistake oh, about it. So, uh, so, so so, it's not a surprise to hear that at all for, coming from you. Um, but you're right. This was a tremendous um, trade deadline. And you're right. We should thank the Nationals of Cubs because 
Baez goes, Bryant goes, Kimbrell goes. Uh, we already talked about Scherzer. We, Daniel Hudson comes to San Diego. I mean, they were open season and, uh, they really, I think possibly say made the deadline what it was for, without a doubt. Now on the flip side of that, John, um, yes. speaking of the Cubs and pirates, I mean, no, they, they don't no. look like they're good. I, I think you said at the beginning of the show, it doesn't look like they're going to win another game, especially the Cubs at this point in the season. This isn't necessarily great for baseball. I know it was great for the deadline, but is it good to have teams rebuilding and doing it in a fashion that it looks like it's going to take a while? Yeah, you, you have to wonder about that. I mean, I get it strategically for the team. If you're going to sell, you're not going to be in it. Um, you know, you might as well really sell. But uh, yeah, you wonder about for the game because now we have all these races, all these teams that did go for it are now in it. Uh, no question about it. Those teams I talked about, Toronto and Philly, Yankees, Atlanta. Atlanta is now in first place out of nowhere. Um, so, I mean, certainly it made the races, but now we have teams that are really non-competitive. You know, whether you want to call them patsies, the game's gimmies, whatever. I mean, sometimes when teams make a few trades, they bring up kids and there's a little more enthusiasm. The team actually stays the same or gets better. But, I mean, the Cubs are just a disaster. I mean, I, I texted with somebody over there and said, boy, you're not used to losing. He said, well, this isn't. This is beyond losing. You know, <laughs> I mean, this team is uh, it's a disaster right now. They got to play out the string and, you know, maybe they'll like the fact that their draft choice is going to be very high. I don't know. I mean, I haven't checked lately. Can they be, can they finish with even worse record than Arizona? I don't know, but they're going to be way down there. I mean, the Nats are not competitive also. Uh, I just saw them against the Mets. You know, they had some leads, you know, they couldn't hold them. They traded away their two top uh, relievers in Hudson and Hand, in addition to Turner and Scherzer, who's one of the, you know, he's an all-time great, and Turner is one of the top, certainly one of the top 20 players in the game. And, uh, I mean, they made the rich much richer, and the poor became, I mean, basically homeless at this point. I mean, they, they're just awful. you got six or seven teams that are, are really non-competitive at this point. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, you got to think of yourself when you're doing this, so I'm not blaming the Cubs and the Nets, but uh, I, it's not great for baseball, I don't think. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. And th there's really going to if, – if the owners are successful in this collective bargain agreement of bringing the extra playoff teams in, um, it's going to be really no excuse for these teams to, to, to be rebuilding that long when you can compete uh, for one of the many – uh, playoff spots at this time okay before we get out of here though john i gotta get your your thoughts on on the field of dreams game that turned out to be a, a terrific game um i thought i gotta be honest i thought the beginning of it that when they coming out of the cornfields and kevin costner is just it, it was very movie like in, in my opinion but i did think the game and for some reason watching balls fly into the cornfields i don't know why it excited me i i enjoyed that part thoroughly uh, but you know, it was, it seemed like this is going to be something we see, uh, moving forward. Yeah. You know, I guess you thought it was corny. Sorry. No pun intended. <laughs> was, there, there you, was, there you go. You. I, I tried to stay away from the word, but yes, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> thank you for laughing before I get to the field of dreams and you're, you're not like this. You're a very modest guy. I mean, you really downplay your major league career and all that. 
let's pat ourselves on the back a little. Our predictions look incredible ah, at the start of yes. the year. We need to replay that podcast, that early podcast. I think might have I'm not sure what was our first one this year, but uh, we both had the Braves. Now they're in first, at least as we record this. Uh, you had the Astros. I had the A's. They're in a dogfight. It's one of those two. We both had the White Sox. I mean, the only yeah. team uh, am I missing one? We missed on was the Giants, uh, who might be the best. Which everybody team. missed on, by everybody the way. Everybody missed on. But we didn't have them, to be fair. No. So anyway, we, we, we are great. You're not going to say it, but I will. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to do the Ricky. You're going to be more like uh, uh, Tyler Gilbert. I'm going to be more like Ricky Henderson. We are great. So uh, anyway, back to the Field of Dreams game. I just had to get that in there. Um, You know, uh, I'm more of a Bull Durham person. You know, you got to have an imagination uh, to really uh, appreciate fully the Field of Dreams. I like the movie. It was pretty cool. Uh, It was an interesting uh, plot. And, uh, you know, it was it, it was a good movie, no question about it. But I'm more of a Bull Durham. I'm more of a realist kind of guy. And that's right, me too. That, that's not even that realistic, really, I'm sure. but Closer. It's, it's a lot a little, closer. A little closer. But, uh, you know, as far as uh, the game goes, um, you know, I love the guys walking out of the cornfield. I thought that was cool. Uh, but really what made it for you and I, at least, um, you and me, uh is the fact that it was a great game because we're really right. into the game. You know, right. uh, it was so exciting and so many home runs in the cornfield and then the Stanton home run, giving the Yankees the lead. And then the Tim Anderson, who's a fantastic, uh, colorful, colorful personality. And he knew he got it as he said, and uh, hitting the walk-off game winner. So that's redundant, but the game winner and, uh, yeah, that's what made it for us. And, uh, I would like, to see it again, and I don't know if they can duplicate that. I know that David Ross accidentally uh, revealed that the Cubs are going to be in it before trying to backtrack, but uh, I'd like to see the Cubs and the Cardinals, two teams out there in the in the Midwest, uh, play and two rivals. We'll see what who, what the actual game is. Mike Schilt hasn't given it up yet, and we don't know if it's really the Cardinals, but we'd like to see it again. And, uh, you know, I, the game made it for me, just like you, I think. Yeah. Yeah, they'll have to got some big shoes to fill, whoever is in that game. I'll tell you real quick, I could put myself in Tim Anderson's shoes from a emotional standpoint. You just finished watching the the Yankees hit two bombs, guys hopping over the gate, and I'm sure that made him feel some type of way. So when he finally hit that ball and, and he knew it was gone, I I just I enjoy the kind of uh as you said, colorful attitudes that these that these guys have. I, I truly enjoy it. It was fun to see him go around the bases. It was fun to see him hype like that. Mm-hmm. Perfect game at the perfect place. And that's where we'll leave it for this week. We thank you guys in for tuning in to the Big Time Baseball. Make sure you check back every Monday for new episodes. Myself, John Heyman, Cody Decker, we are all here. Every episode is on the Odyssey app, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Leave us a comment and a five-star rating. We'll be sure to keep the baseball conversation rolling. Until next time, for my partner, John Heyman, I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. We'll check you next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.